Good evening, everyone. It's a joy to have you in our service again. We're going to be continuing on with our discussion on what we have titled Moral Dilemmas That Faces in Our Society Today. We've talked a little bit about euthanasia. We've uh, talked uh, a little bit about just mentioning about abortion. Um, We will be looking at some more issues, cloning, stem cells, um, teenage promiscuity. You say, why talk about these things? Well, if you have to ask that question, you must be isolated from society and your culture. Because these issues bombard us every day And I'm convinced that we as Christians are not thinking through these issues as much as we should in order for us to respond in a Christ-like and a biblical manner. We tend to go along with the flow of our culture. And I think that as Christians we have to re-examine that. Now this evening I'm going to be talking about a subject really that You know, sometimes you feel unclean just reading things and talking about it. That's how I felt when I was studying for this and doing research for this particular message. And this evening we might talk about some things that might be difficult for some of you to talk about. In fact, we're going to look at a word that some of you might be offended by. I I trust not. In fact, when I get to it, I probably won't pronounce it. I'll just show it on the screen. It's not a cuss word. But I think it goes to show you how we as Christians tend to back away from talking about things that our children face every day. And we sort of hide our heads in the sand thinking they don't hear about this stuff. They don't know anything about this stuff. But I can tell you, when it comes to pornography, our children probably know more than you do, or we do. And we're going to see the dangers of this. I call pornography the silent killer, the destroyer of families, of marriage, relationships. And I trust us, as we go through this, you might see why I call it that. And by the way, we probably have to come back to this because... There's one aspect of this that has to do with what we call cyber porn, pornography, pornography over the internet, that we want to become a little bit more detailed in, but we can do it in this evening's message, so we'll have to do it another, although we'll talk about it a little as we go along. So I've entitled it tonight, Pornography, a Biblical Perspective. But we're going to begin, first of all, by seeing what's out there. I want to begin with definitions. And I'm going to give you quite a few because, believe it or not, some people have a very difficult time of defining what pornography is. That's right. Now, you might think you know what it is, but from a legal point of view, it's not that easy to define. So I'm going to just give you a little idea of what it's all about. The word pornography comes into English directly from the Greek word pornographus, which meant writings about prostitutes, or writings about harlots. 
There's two root roads here, prone or prone, which means harlot, and graphos, which means writing. So the idea is writing about harlots, describing the activities of harlots or prostitutes. Now, of course, today we have more than just writings, and we're going to see that as we go along. But this is the idea. It has to do with the activities of people that we call harlots or prostitutes. The English word has come to have a broader definition to include all writings, photographs, works of art that depict sexual activity, particularly illicit sexual acts or perversion. That's what has come to mean today to some. Here is another definition. This is taken from a certain uh, book that is called Legal Explanations. The word end there is the word noun, pornography. Writings, it means writings or pictures of sexual activity whose intent is solely to excite lascivious feelings which are particularly blatant and aberrational, such as acts that involve children, animals, orgies, and all types of sexual intercourse. It is difficult to define pornography, says this particular uh, source, and soft core and hard core, because the definition is subjective to the judge, to jury, and law enforcement offices. Official, meaning that it means something different to each of these. And since the laws, the law cases cannot print examples of the courts to follow. And so there's a lot of confusion legally, especially in the United States, about what pornography really means. In fact, this is now an infamous statement by Justice Stewart, in, uh, in 1984, uh, 1964, this is what he says, I cannot define pornography, but I know it when I see it. That's a judge now. And if a judge cannot define it, what about we laymen? You see? Here is another definition from Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Here, and he, they, they, it's so difficult to define, they have to give three different aspects of the definition. And I can only touch on it. I can't explain all of it. I want to give you a feel for how some people are dealing with this idea of pornography and the rationalizations that come in from a legal point of view. Here is the first simple definition of pornography. Pornography is any material, either pictures or words, that is sexually explicit. Now, see, the problem with this very simple definition is that who is going to determine what is sexually explicit? You take an artist, for instance, and uh, drawing a, a nude person. Some people will look at that and say, that's sexually explicit. The artist will, oh, no, no, that, that's just a human body. It's beautiful. And so they couldn't really accept this one. This definition of pornography may pick out different types of material in different contexts since what is viewed as sexually explicit can vary from culture to culture, culture over time. You know that yourself. You, take, you go to your TV and you go to uh, National Geographic. You'd see people in certain cultures and they wear nothing above. Some of them don't wear anything below either. It's quite acceptable in their culture. You bring that over here and they get locked up for walking down Bay Street like that. You see. So these are some of the things that come into explaining it. Here's a second definition because that wasn't good enough for some. Pornography is sexually explicit material, verbal or pictorial, that is primarily designed to produce sexual arousal in viewers. Now, you see the addition here, to produce. 
sexual arousal. That's the intent. But even that has problems with it according to many legal experts. Because what might arouse some might not arouse others. And so if you're not aroused, then it's not pornographic. So they had to come up with a third definition. Pornography is sexually explicit material designed to produce sexual arousal in consumers that is bad in a certain way. Because you see, you could be aroused in ways that are okay. But now they have to go define it a little further. But we have the same problem. What might be bad for one person, one culture, may not be bad for another culture or another person in the same culture. And so we have all of these kinds of details that come up from a legal point of view and trying to define what is pornographic. You say, well, that's a lot of nonsense. Well, this determines what your children read in textbooks as to what is pornographic and what is not. And this is the kind of thinking that, people, that they go through to come up as to what you are allowed to see in your biology textbooks, what you're allowed to see in your family textbooks. It has to do with family, love, marriage, and so on. These kinds of thinking is what comes in part. This definition of pornography makes it analytically true that pornography is bad. By definition, material that is not bad in the relevant way is not pornography. All right? I'm going to give you some more definitions now. Here's another way, the Media Awareness Network. This is how they describe it. Pornography is the explicit depiction or exhibition of sexual activity in literature, films, or photography that is intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. Now, that sounds pretty good, a highfalutin. But that also has problems because it depends on your views of these things, that what is erotic, what is aesthetic, what is, what are emotional feelings and all of that. But that's another definition. Here's how Kirby Anderson, he was here some time ago, how he looks at it. First he gives the definition of the Attorney General Commission on Pornography in 1986. They define pornography as material that is predominantly, I noted the word, predominantly or mostly sexually explicit and intended primarily for the purpose of sexual arousal. Hardcore pornography is sexually explicit in the extreme and devoid of any other apparent content or purpose. So they're getting a little more detail now. Let's move on. Another important term is the definition of sanity. The current legal definition of sanity is this, is this. If three things are met, material is obscene if all three of the following conditions are met. Number one, the average person applying contemporary community standards would find that the work taken as a whole appeals to the prurient interests. Now see, the problem with this is, who's the average person? Is the average person a Christian or a non-Christian? Who is the average person? Another, uh, another uh, part of this criteria. Secondly, the work depicts or describes in a patently offensive way sexual conduct specifically defined by the applicable state or federal law. In other words, it depends on where you are. And the third one is the work taken as a whole lacks serious artistic, political, or scientific value. And they say if a certain book or painting or whatever it is meets these three then, criteria, then it's obscene. And if it's obscene, then it's pornographic. 
Now the problem is, when you read some of the court cases here, each one of these have to be proven before something can be said to be pornographic. Now, that gives you some idea of the difficulty that we have in legally defining pornography. You might say, boy, I only got to look at something or hear something and I know whether or not it's obscene. Well, you got to think that through very carefully from a legal point of view. And what is the difference between something that is pornographic and something that is obscene? Not everything that is obscene has to be pornographic. You see? Now you say, why am I saying this? I just want you to see how we've come to a community uh, here because we reflect the, the mores of the United States how we have come to a point where we rationalize things to such a point we don't even, we can't even say what is sin or what is contrary to the Bible anymore without getting all kinds of rationalization. That's why you as a believer must know the word of God to be able to say, regardless of what all these judges and everybody saying, this is what the word says. And I know what pornography is. And I hope you can see that by the time as we get. Now let me give you some idea of how prevalent, how pervasive uh, pornography is. Now, I'm going to be using U.S. stats because that's all we have. We hardly have any stats on this stuff here. But it is being demonstrated again. What's happening in the United States socially and morally is happening here. In fact, many people are convinced now if you take it on a pro capita basis, in other words, if you compare our, or you work in, you factor in our uh, population against the population of the United States, we probably are worse than the United States in many things that are going on especially when it comes to pornography, because a lot of restraints they have over there we don't have here. You see? And you're going to, I think you can become aware of some of this as we go along. In the United States, pornography is an 8 billion a year business. We're going to see another stat which says it's 13 billion, not 8. The point is, it's a lot of money being spent out there on this stuff. 17.5 million surface. These are the people who go on the internet, and we're going to be talking about the internet and how... Uh, pervasive uh, this form of pornography is today and how important it is for you as parents to be watching out what your children are looking at. If you have a computer in your children's room right now you can better be assured that anywhere from 75 to 90 percent of those kids are watching porn in some form or fashion. They don't have to go looking for it. It comes looking to them once they can get on the net. And you have to find ways of protecting the, your children from that stuff. And uh, we're going to come back to this, as I said, but as I go along, I'll mention some. One of the best things to do, if you're going to give your children uh, permission to use the computer, let that computer be out in the living room where you can see it all the time. You see? Don't take their word that they're not looking at it. You see? Let it be in the open. 17.5 million surface visited porn sites from home computers in January 2000, a 40% increase from four months earlier. That's probably increased now with broadband and everything else. Web surface spent $970 million accessing porn sites in 1998. Again, these things have been increased because you have more sites now and you have faster computers. You see, and they're more accessible now to everybody. Porn accounts for 69% of the 1.4 billion pay-to-view online content, mar content market compared to video games. In other words, more people watch uh, porn than they play uh, video games. And let me tell you, video games are, I mean, everybody seems to be playing them. But they say here, porn uh, accounts are much higher, as well as sports, higher than sports as well. 
Pornography in this, in this finding is a 13 billion industry dollars, more than the combined annual revenues of the Coca-Cola and McDonald Douglas corporations put together. That's a lot of money. And you say the Bahamas is not involved in that. Oh, yes. You think so? Cable, HBO here is probably one of the worst things that could happen to the, to the Bahamas. You see? If you have HBO in your, in, 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 in your home, you and your children are open to this sort of stuff. You see? Sixteen percent of the Internet's porn materials are accessed through American online. Now, somebody is, some people are beginning to say now that this is, uh, they're losing theirs, and some, I forgot which other one is coming out in the forehead. But anyway, it brings in seven million per month on, on via porn, pornographic material. They say Yahoo is the one now that it has more than anyone else. By the way, if you have a Hotmail account, you are open to this stuff. Do you know why you have, can get Hotmail free? It's because they open that thing so you can get all kinds of ads. And the pornographic people are pouring ads into those free accounts. You see? You say you're not paying for that? Oh, yes, you are. You're paying in ways you cannot imagine for those free accounts. Hmm? Cyber porn sales accounted for 8% of last year's 18 billion e-commerce selling on the internet. That's why I'm saying I'm going to have a special thing on computers and, and pornography coming through pre-computers. I, I know of individuals who are caught up in this, individuals who are outstanding Christians in the, in the, in the ministry and everything else, but they're caught, caught up in porn on the web. You see, I can give you some facts right now. In fact, I dare to say that out of this amount of people here, anywhere from 5 or 10% of you are watching porn on TV or over the Internet. You see? And I'm including all the full-time people as well. You can see some stats in a moment. That's why I call it the hidden killer. People, so many people are hypocritical in this and they lie. You see? They lie. They will leave a church service and after worshiping and everything and go right there and close themselves up in the room and watch porn until they go to bed. The top internet porn site boasted more unique visitors and unique, that's new visitors, in 2000 ESPN, CD Now, or, or Barnes & Noble combined. These are major sites that people visit all the time. In the U.S., nearly 900 theaters show porn films and more than 15,000 adult bookstores and video stores offer porn material. I remember I was caught up in pornography before I was a Christian, even the first few years when I became a Christian. I used to actually go to Miami so I could go to the porn shops and videos. That's right. I used to fly over there. Nobody knew me. You see? And that's all I did. From the airport then, I stayed there all day, then I got back to the airplane and came back out. You'd be surprised who's doing that right now. Pornography is material that is predominantly sexually explicit and intended primarily for the purpose of sexual arousal. Hardcore porn is sexually explicit in extreme and devoid of any other apparent content or purpose. That's all it's for. And it's got a lot of that out and it's easy to be seen. Research has shown that 40 to 50 percent 
A rapist used porn to arouse themselves prior to seeking out a victim. You listen to all of the cases of these recent uh, um, killings of these young girls on the, on the news. Uh, you find in, every, in just about every case where they go into these homes to arrest these people, they find pornographic material. It has been scientifically proven that just about everybody commits rape uh, in some way involved with pornography. We like to say that rape is, a, is, is to show power. That's a part of it, but that's not all. It's because these people who are being caught up in pornography, and the, it, it only, the only way that they can be satisfied is going to that extreme of trying to get this sexual lust satisfied through rape and so on. Even brief exposure to violent forms of pornography can lead to antisocial attitudes and behavior. In other words, a more aggressive attitude toward women. Women always, in most cases, are the victims of pornographic material. In some cases of men, but in most cases it's women who are the victims. Especially in a husband-wife relationship. You get a husband who watches pornography all the time. They want their wives to do what they see on the movies. And they can't be satisfied that they don't. You see, that's why the marriage starts to break down. You see, that's why you see... Uh, these men who are trying to buy their wives these nice little funny things, well, I don't want to say funny, you know, but expose more of the body, you can be sure that those, most of the men, not all who do that, is doing that because they're watching porn in some form or another. That's been scientifically demonstrated, you see. Studies have shown that exposure to porn can lead to increased desensitization to sexual violence and rape. It becomes much easier to watch all kinds of perversions when you're in pornography. A strong statistical correlation has been found between circulation rates of porn magazines and rape rates in that area. That has been demonstrated. We just mentioned that. In a recent survey, a total of 18% of clergy said they visit sexually explicit websites between a couple of times a month and more than once a week. Who are the clergy? As pastors, as elders, as deacons. Listen to this one. At one Promise Keepers event, 50% of the attendees admitted to dabbling in porn during the previous week. 50% of the men. Listen to this one. More than 70% of porn is downloaded between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. I had to really check this one out. When, when is 9 a.m. to 5 p.m.? Now, you would think that most of the time people go on the porn is when? On the web is when? Late in the night and so on. No, what they're saying here is when people are supposed to be working, they're watching porn. They've demonstrated now that a lot of work has been, the production in, in, in offices have been reduced. Why? Because the people who are supposed to be working in the little back room on the uh, business computer watching porn. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., most of it is downloaded. Now listen, 80% of women and 30% of men will meet offline with, when they, with those they meet online. Now, some of you are not familiar with, 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 uh, with computers, they have what they call chat rooms. You can go to these chat rooms and you could talk about anything under the sun. All right? You could plan murders, you could plan anything. But they have, they actually meet people. 
and, and, and arrange to meet people. They have stories of people leaving one state and driving all the way to another state just to meet somebody that they met online. You see, and in most cases it leads to something bad. You see, that's how some of the young girls who were killed met their killers online. Pornography is not a victimless crime. It is, many people like to say that. It is destructive to the core unit of the country, the family. It is a fact that today, Internet pornography is increasingly being cited as a cause for increasing divorce rates. That's Edwin Lutzer, president, uh, the pastor of... Um, I'm sorry. No, that's not him. you got another quote coming up. And this is true. I know of this to be a fact. I can name individuals, you see, whose marriages have been ruined because of pornography. In most cases, on the part of the husband. Pornography promotes sex without responsibility, union without obligation, physical satisfaction without love. It exploits and dehumanizes women and children as discardable objects for the satisfaction of male lust. It scorns martial fidelity, morality, and commitment to family life. That's why I call it the silent killer. It kills the family, kills the home if it isn't dealt with. Now, of course, in case we don't get it to the end, God can deliver us, anyone, from this. I know from a fact because I've been delivered from it. I still have to be careful, mind you. We all have. Because in one sense, they call it an addiction. I don't call it an addiction when it comes to a Christian. I'll tell you why in a moment. But it's like an addiction. You have, you never, you never really cure it. You always have to be on toes. You always have to have some safeguard up. Now, here's what they call a universal four-step pattern, progression, when it comes to pornography. And I'm running through this quite quickly. First is addiction. This addiction of the mind can be as powerful as any substance addiction. Alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, what it is. Uh, uh, pornography can just be as powerful. Individuals hooked on pornography obtain as aphrodisiac effect from the materials. They keep, they keep coming back for more so they might get their sexual arousal. It starts off on a low level, but then it increases, just like any addiction. But however, due to my biblical perspective on the cause of pornography, which I believe to be lust, which is sin, I choose to use the word mastery or dominion rather than addiction. Because addiction gives the idea of sickness, mental or emotionally, and remove the concept of choice and of volition. And I believe pornography is a choice. You see? And we'll deal with this in a moment when you look at it from biblical. Then there's escalation. In other words, you want to get higher. Progressively, coarser material may be sought to satisfy the addiction. Before, you could just look at naked people. But then, he craves for more. The need may escalate, requiring rougher and more sexually shocking material in order to get the same sexual satisfaction as before. Now, this is why it's important for us to watch out for our children. That's what happens with with boys especially on the Internet, locked up in that room and you don't know what they're doing. This is the direction that they're doing it now. I can tell you this is where they're going. You see? You might think it doesn't affect you. Yes, it does. If you have children and you have a computer, yes, it does. It does. It's very important for you to realize that. Don't think that we're looking at something for those dirty people out in the streets. No, no, no. 
Computers have brought it right into your home, your nice home with that white carpet right there. <laughs> Desensitization. This continued exposure over time, there, there occurs a desensitization to the material's effect. You, you just look at it and, and it, it, you know, it, you don't see it. You, you need, that which would arouse you before don't even, don't even affect you in the smallest anymore. You've got to get something else. What is it first gross, repulsive, or moral, in time becomes acceptable, and then crave? That's exactly what Romans chapter 1 says. We don't even, we, 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 uh, we don't only uh, uh, see these people doing these things, but we approve of them by looking at them doing it. Romans 1, you see. Every time you sit down in your home and watch an R-rated movie, that's what you're doing. You're approving, showing approval of what you're watching. You're showing approval of what you're watching. Because you have to pay for that if you get HBO. You see. I'm trying to get the records now from Cable Bahamas to see who, or what kind of, picture, what kind of uh, movies are ordered by people from Calvary. <laughs> then it goes to acting out. As thoughts breed, as, as thought breeds deed, fantasy may become reality. And by the way, they've proven this to be true of these fellows who have killed these young girls. This is exactly what has happened. The only way they can be satisfied now is by getting someone to act out their fantasy upon. You see? There can be an increased tendency to start acting out sexual activity seen in the pornography. If over a period of time a person's sexual fantasies are shaped by material showing women, animals, and children involved in sordid and perverse sexual activity, and other far worse acts, there is an increased chance the person will go into the community and seek the opportunity to perform these extra deviant activities. It just progresses. It's like an addiction. You see? That's why I'm saying to you, you've got to watch your children. Here are marks of an addictive sex lifestyle. This is given by Stephen Afterburn. He wrote a book, Addicted to Love. He says, it's easy to confuse normal sexual desire and conduct with addictive compulsion and gratification. A person can have a stronger than normal sexual appetite and not be an addict. And then he gives some characteristics of addictive sex that helps set the two apart. In other words, that which is good and that which is evil. First of all, he says... Addictive sex is done in isolation. This doesn't mean alone now. This does not always necessarily mean that it's done while physically alone. Rather, it means that mentally and emotionally the addict is detached or isolated from human relationship and contact. He has his own world. The most intimately personal of human behaviors become utterly impersonal to this individual. He has his own world built up in his mind. He's very isolated or detached. Secondly, Addictive sex is secretive. In effect, the addict develops a double life, practicing the M word, that's what I talked about, going to pawn shops and massage parlors, paying for prostitutes, all the while hiding what he's doing from others, and in a sense, even from himself. Because this secret life is so full of shame, the biggest fear of the sex addict is to be found out. That's why they're so good liars. I'm speaking from experience. You see, it's amazing how they get lie, how they get hide, and put on a front. Thirdly, addictive sex is devoid of intimacy. 
The sex addict is utterly self-focused. He cannot achieve genuine intimacy because his self-obsession leaves no room for giving to others. As a child, there are most likely no intimate relationships outside of, tech, outside of sex. This is from a psychological point of view. To be truly intimate is an experience most sex addicts have never had. This is also proven to be true in most cases from a psychological point of view. Fourth, addictive sex is devoid of relationship. Addictive, addictive sex is mere sex, sex for its own sake. Sex divorced from authentic interaction of persons. This is most clear with regard to fantasy, pornography, and I'm word again. But even with regard to sex involving a partner, the partner is not really a person, but a cipher, a conduit, an interchangeable part in an impersonal, almost mechanical process. The person so caught up in himself. There's no real intimacy at all. This is a terrible situation. Addictive sex is victimizing. The overwhelming obsession with self-gratification blinds the addict to the harmful effect his behavior is having on others. If achieving gratification means what a six-year-old child will be victimized, that a six-year-old child will be victimized, the addict will proceed unaware until the shame comes crashing in. Once the gratifying act has been achieved, sex addicts need to be helped so that victimization is stopped. Reading some of the case studies of this, we have individuals who say they can't help themselves, who actually said they wanted to be caught so they could be put in jail to be stopped. You see? It's amazing. Six, adductive sex ends in despair. When married couples make love, they are more fulfilled for having had the experience. Addictive sex leaves the participants feeling guilty, regretting the experience. Rather than fulfilling it is empty, and they despair over who they had sex with or how, they how low they stoop to have it. In these dark moments of despair, the addict most likely feels abandoned by God. Often they think of themselves or how badly they want to stop and want help, but they do not know how to stop or where to turn. And that's true in many cases, not all, but in many cases. That's why we have to be on a watch, on the lookout for people who are going through this. We need to know the telltale signs. You watch your child or your husband or your dad locked up in the room all the time, and when he comes up, he wants no communication, he wants that. Be on guard. Be aware of what's happening in that back room. Now, here's a biblical perspective very quickly. Here's some words used in the Bible to condemn pornography as sin. Not as sickness, but as sin. Galatians 5.19 Now the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality, impurity, and sensuality, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a strong statement. Here are the words, immorality, impurity, and sensuality. All of these has to do have to do with pornography. Let's look at them one by one. The word immorality, it comes from the Greek word porneia. This word porneia is a ge generic word that covers all forms of sexual impurity, including fornication, adultery, incest, prostitution. This is the basic core definition of pornography right here. All kinds of immorality is included in this word porneia, and this is where we get the word pornographic from. It's rotten at its core. It's immoral at its very core. Then there's the word impurity in that verse. This is the Greek word akathasia. It means moral uncleanness. This word originally had reference to dirt or dirtiness in the physical sense. Then came to be used to describe ritual and ceremonial impurity, which barred a worshiper from worshiping God. In other words, when a person was 
called impure, unclean. They could not come into the presence of God. This is the word that is used. There are two concepts or two connotations here. One, it has to do with the quality of that which is soiled and dirty. When you say someone with a dirty mind, that's what you're talking, this is the word you're talking about here. All right? Then it has another one, an impurity where there is a repulsive quality that invokes disgust in decent people. You're walking across, you see or hear something, and it disgusts you. This is this word, unclean. This all has to do with pornography. That's why I said, even when I was doing the research on this, even reading the scriptures, I felt unclean. That's what pornography does. It describes a general moral defilement of personality which taints every aspect of one's life. Third word, sensuality or lasciviousness or licentiousness. This is the word asalegia. It means public sexual excesses. William Barclay, a Greek scholar, points out three characteristics of this word, all having to do with pornography. One, wanton and undisciplined. That should be undisciplined action. You just do anything you want sexually. Secondly, no respect or regard for others. You're only trying to satisfy your own lusts. Thirdly, completely indifferent to public opinion and public decency. This is when you come right down to the end. You just don't care anymore. That's Romans chapter 1. Let me give you some of Jesus' words relative to pornography. He said something. You know what he said? You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. This word lust is the bottom of pornography. The core of pornography, lust. And if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body be thrown into hell. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that this is such an important issue here that you have to go to extreme lengths to make sure it doesn't happen. Now he's using this. If your eye sees these things, what if it means taking your eye out, then take it out. Now, of course, he isn't talking about this, literally just trying to show that you have to go to the extreme in order to prevent this from happening to you. You've got to go to the extreme. That's how terrible Jesus viewed it. Jesus demands purity of mind for his disciples, even to the point of radical enforcement to make it come about. And that means, for instance, if you have in your, I haven't got time to look at the different ways to look at it, magazines. What kind of magazines you got in your home? You man, if you have Playboy and, 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 and what are some of the other ones? I look at them for a little while, so I forgot them. <laughs> Penthouse and all of these things. You see? These, you say, oh, that's just art. Yeah, yeah. Well, go look at Anyway, uh, you, need to, you need to get rid of them. You see? Jesus is saying that if you have a problem in this area, anything that encourages you to partake in it, get rid of it. And so I say now to you, if you have pornographic magazines or movies, and you get rid of it, burn it, get rid of it. If you got HB on your on your on your on your on your on your um, TV, get rid of it. <laughs> I'm serious, because it, you see what happens, and we're going to deal with this next time. For instance, right now, in, in, in a flipping through TV, and I mean you have all kinds of art, you just see one picture, and that picture burns in your mind 
And you know when you can, comes up again? When you're around the Lord's table. When you're doing your Bible study. When you're praying. All of a sudden these things flash in your mind. And you just glimpsed it, you know, just a little bit. Now just think of what happens when you sit and you watch it for, you know, the time you don't come to church because you want to relax. You stay home and you watch it. And it burns into your mind, you see. And the time that you don't, you're not even thinking about it, that's when it comes. It burns in your mind. Jesus says, get rid of that kind of a stuff. Listen to Paul. Therefore God gave them over the lusts of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. The principle is here. When we refuse to give up the chasing after our lusts, we take we put God out of our lives. And the judgment is God allows us to fulfill our lusts. That's God's judgment. And so all of those, these people involved in pornography, they are in showing that God has already judged them because they've left God out of their life. You see, this is what he, this isn't judgment to come. Being part of that kind of a lifestyle is God's judgment already. You see, pornography is a sign of God's judgment for rejecting him out of, out of your life. James describes the cause and progression of this sin in detail. This is what he says. But each one is tempted. When he is carried away, notice now, carried away, strong words carried away, and enticed by his own lust. His lust carries him away. Really the word is drag. And the lust is doing it, and you're enticed by your own lust. Then when lust has conceived, given birth, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. That's the progression of a of, a, of somebody who's involved in pornography and will not be redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Right there. It leads to death. The temptation begins with evil desire, the inward craving to obtain more than what we have a right to have. Then it progresses to being dragged away and enticed. That's the word, dragged away. It's important to note that we are not enticed away but dragged first. That's lust. Lust is a powerful master. That's why I call it not an addiction, but a dominion or a mastery by lust. Whenever you go this direction, you're showing that you are a slave to lust. Lust is dragging you toward a goal that is not in keeping with God's will. And quickly, here's some reasons to reject sexual impurity, pornography. One, it is a misuse of the members of our body which belongs to God, including our eyes and our hands and other members of the body. Secondly, it wrongs another, our spouse and or the one lusted after and takes advantage of them, especially the spouse in a marriage situation. I'm thinking of a couple right now in my mind. Beautiful marriage, beautiful ministry. Then the husband got a computer. Goes into his room and he stays up late at night watching porn and he wants his wife to watch it with him that's one thing I thank God for my wife because I tried her to get to go watch something in New York one time when I was just married fighting pornography she said no not me I ain't going in there and I thank God for that the wives suffer have a real problem you see and it's so it's such a terrible thing when the husband is trying to get the wife to take a part of what he's doing, you see. 
but is a misuse. Thirdly, it goes against God's call to purity. Flee immorality, you see. And a lot of things we're going to get into next time. It leads to God's judgment, both here and in the future. Of course, we're talking about the Bema when we come to, um, when we talk about Christians. It leads, it's, all, it's, it's an evidence of God's judgment, and it leads to God's judgment as well. It leads to rejection of God himself from our lives. No one can be engaged in pornography and have a good relationship with God. It's impossible. You're lying when you say you're doing it. You're lying. Here's a passage of scripture then, and we'll deal with this later. Finally, brethren, this is what we ought to fill our minds with. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and of anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice and these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. We've got to fill our minds with these wonderful things, with the word of God. And if we do, this is the strongest, this is the strongest medicine we have for pornography. Thinking on the word of God. Meditating on the word of God. Now, other things tend to be involved. There's no doubt about that. There's withdrawal involved in this situation. There are all kinds of guides and guards you've got to put up in your home to make sure that uh, if, you, if you make a decision that you want to get rid of it, there's a lot of things you've got to do. You, you, you can't go to the movies anymore. I mean in your home as well as the era. You see? You can't watch HBO no more. That's for sure. You've got to watch out when you go to the bookstore on the airports. That's your eyes. you got a lot of stuff, boy. You see? Oh yeah, there's still some gods, but this is it here. What you put in your mind, you see. Now next time we're going to talk about why uh, the purpose of sexuality, why God uh, has created within us this sexual desire, and how those desires are supposed to be fulfilled in a marriage relationship, and why it's so important to build a loving, intimate marriage relationship. To know that all of, your, all of your desires are to be fulfilled in the man that God has given you, in the woman that God has given you. The marriage bed must be undefiled. Pornography defiles the marriage bed. We pick up this one next week, a lot to go by. Until then, see law, think, and act on these things. Let's stand for prayer. Father, thank you for your word with which we can fill our minds because your word describes for us the triune God God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit the word tells us about your love for us and your willingness to give yourself for us and describes all things that are good and pure and excellent and honest Help us to fill our minds with the word of God. Help us, our Father, to be aware of the fact that the devil is trying to get at us, children as well as parents, singles as well as husband and wife, through this pornographic world. Help us to put up the right guards. Help us to see the dangers that are out there for our children. Help us to protect them by putting 
safeguards now the use of computers and even when they watch on TV, Father. We just pray that you might help us to guard our eyes, to guard our minds as we seek to honor you and to live pure lives at all times in all that we do. We pray for those who are struggling, Lord, who have difficulties here. Help us to be sensitive and loving and to reach out with them rather than to reject. And help us to be able to provide the kind of support and encouragement they might need to help them overcome this terrible thing that we call pornography today. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that enables us to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.